He's receiving a pattern of the tabernacle. And so in those chapters, we went through, of course, <clears throat> very specifically, all the details of the tabernacle, the, the curtains and uh, the boards that made up the tabernacle, the veils, and then also the furnishings of the tabernacle and uh, what was out in the courtyard, and plus the priestly garments. And so what we're seeing here in chapters 35 through 40, the, the last chapter here in the book of Exodus, what we're seeing is the people actually constructing, the children of Israel, that tabernacle. And of course, we may wonder once again, why would the Lord repeat what he's already covered or <clears throat> what's already recorded in his word in, in those earlier chapters that when he showed the pattern to Moses? And I think if anything that uh, we want to remember is is that one of the most powerful lessons that we learned going through this, that Moses was shown the pattern uh, to the tabernacle, and then actually what he is doing right now, and what the children of Israel are doing, are being obedient in uh, actually constructing the tabernacle. In other words, they're doing what they've been commanded to do, and I think that's an important lesson for you and for me. Because in God's word, we have the pattern that's given to us and how we are to meet with the Lord, how we come to him, how we come to God through Jesus Christ. I get this tickle in my throat, just won't go away. <coughs> Excuse me, but that's given to us in God's word. And then um, the word of God also tells us how it is that we are to, to worship him and, and obey him and walk with him. And so the children of Israel, after Moses comes down from the mountain, he, he um, says, you know what, God has given me the pattern of the tabernacle because he desires to meet with us. And so uh, when it came time to take the offering, that's what we saw in chapters 35 and 36, <clears throat> they would um, take the offering to the tabernacle. And, um, and they were given so much that Moses finally had to stand up and say, stop. And this tickle will go away in just a minute, so if I drink enough water. But anyway, um, and so they got all the materials that are gathered, and, uh, and they're going to build the tabernacles. We go through these last four chapters the way that God has shown Moses. And so uh, they didn't get together and say, well, you know what, what we need to do is let's alter this, and let's change that, and let's make this room bigger, and, and um, let's make things a little bit different. I think we got a better idea. And so oftentimes what happens with Christians or what happened with churches is we're given the pattern, aren't we, in this book. And we can come along and say, well, Lord, I got a better idea. And, and we go our direction or we do it our way or church does, you know, ministry the way that they think that they should do ministry. And that's why it's, it's wonderful. One of the benefits of going through the whole counsel of God's word all through uh, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is we really get in detail the pattern in which we are to live our lives as Christian, how we are to minister, and again, how we are to come to the Lord. And so uh, that's one of the important lessons that we learn. Chapter 37, we're going to see again these furnishings that were in the tabernacle itself. Chapter 38, we're going to see the furnishings in the outside, in the courtyard. Then we're going to see the courtyard itself that's described to us, and then the materials of the tabernacle. Chapter 39, what we see is the priestly garments that are going to be described to us again. And then we're going to see that Moses is going to inspect the work, and then uh, he's going to finish the work. And so uh, we're not going to go into great detail over all the furnishings again. Uh, what we're going to do is read it through it, and we're going to hit the highlights and then we're going to uh, finish up the book. So let's do that, chapter 37. Then Beziel, remember Beziel was one of uh, those that God had chosen to oversee 
the work, the actual construction of the tabernacle, the making of the furnishings. And so then Beziel made the ark of Achaia wood. Uh, two and a half cubits was its length, and a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And so again, given the dimensions here, the, we see here in verses 1 through 9, the Ark of the Covenant that's going to be in the most holy place with the lid on top called the mercy seat is probably the most important of all the furnishings because that's where the priest would go through the veil from the holy place to the most holy place and then he would make atonement there on the day of atonement as he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And so this is being described to us once again. It's not a large box. It's only a box about three feet by two feet overlaid with gold, a cubit again being about 18 inches. In verse 2, he overlaid it with pure gold inside and out and made a molding of gold all around it. And he cast four of its uh, rings of gold to be set in the four corners, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side of it. He made poles of Achaia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he put the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to bear the ark. He also made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits was its length and a cubic and a half its width. And he made two cherubim of beaten gold and he made them one piece at the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherubim at one end of this side and the other cherub at the other end of that side. And he made the cherubim at the two ends of one piece with the mercy seat. In verse 9, the cherubim spread out their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings, and they faced one another. The faces of the cherubim were towards the mercy seat. One of the things that we see in the vision of Ezekiel, also we see it uh, not only Ezekiel's vision, but we see it in Isaiah's vision. We also see it with the vision of John there in Revelation chapter 4 of the throne of God, the throne room of God. These cherubim are kind of like the guardian uh, of the throne room of God. And so here the cherubim there and, and the Shekinah glory of God between the cherubim is what the Lord told Moses there I will meet with you. And so uh, here is the Holy of Holies, that small room with this one piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant with the, the mercy seat made of pure gold put on top of it, the cherubim with the wings and the cherubim facing each other. And then the showbread uh, that was in the holy place, it would be on the right-hand side as you walked into the tabernacle. And he made the table of Achaia wood, two cubits was its length and a cubit its width and a cubit and a half its height. So the uh, showbread table... Uh, would hold the 12 loaves of bread that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, but also it speaks of Jesus Christ, that he is the bread of life. And so he overlaid it with pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. Also, he made a frame of hand breath all around it and made a molding of gold for the frame all around it. And he cast it uh, for four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that were at its four legs. And the rings were close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And he made the poles of Achaia wood and bear, to bear the table and overlaid them with gold. And he made a pure gold, the utensils which were on the table, its dishes, its cups, its bowls, its pitchers for pouring. And so what the priests would do is every Sabbath they would uh, eat the bread that was there during the week and they would put uh, 12 new loaves of bread, again representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so that was the showbread table. It's much like what you see when you go into like King Supers and you go back in the bakery and you see those bread shells that they have as they put out the bread, um, you know, and, and, and that's basically what it was in that as well. And so 
They would put poles on a lot of these furnishings that had poles there with the K wood they would put through the rings because they carried these furnishings such as the Ark of the Covenant and the showbread table and then also with the altar of incense as well. But first verses 17 through 24 to seven a branch golden menorah being spoken of and he also made the lampstand of pure gold of hammer work. He made the lampstand its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs and its flowers were of the same piece. And six branches came out of its side, three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. And there were three bowls made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches coming out of the lampstand, verse 20, and on the lampstand itself were four bowls made like almond blossoms, each with this ornamental knob and flower. And there was a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches extending from it. Their knobs and their branches were of one piece. All of it was of one hammered piece of pure gold. And he made it seven lamps its wick trimmers and its trays of pure gold and of talent of pure gold he made it with all utensils isn't that wonderful you know as we read this isn't this great and I know what you're thinking but um, here we see this and and this detail given to it and of course uh, here is Beziel he's told the, all the details and this was the more, most intricately designed of all the furnishings, the seven-branched menorah with the almonds and, and the blossoms and the ornamental knobs and all of that made of one piece of gold. And so this would really be something of, of um, you know, really uh, a talent and skill to make the seven-branched golden menorah. And then the bowls on top, and it had the oils that filled each one of those seven bowls and the wicks floating around. And the priest would go in in the mornings and in the evenings, and he would make sure the bowls were full. He would also make sure that uh, the wicks were trimmed and that was the only source of light that was in the tabernacle. You recall that last week we saw that the tabernacle boards were overlaid with gold so it would be very beautiful inside with the golden walls and then the first covering as we saw last week with the cherubim and then the seven branch menorah burning there in the tabernacle itself and so a very beautiful piece of of furnishing that would go into the uh, holy place and then the altar of incense as we finish the chapter that was right there in front of the veil as you went straight into the tabernacle where they would burn incense that what represented the prayers of the people didn't it it was just like a tall nightstand only about 18 inches square as we read he made the alt incense altar of a wood its length was a cubit and its width a cubit it was square and two cubits was its height its horns were of one piece with it and he overlaid it with pure gold its top its sides all around and its horns he also made for it a molding of gold all around it and he made two rings of gold for the its under its molding by its two corners on both sides as holders for the poles in which to bear it. And he made the poles of Achaia wood and overlaid them with gold. And then verse 29, talking about the anointing oil and the incense, he also made the holy anointing oil and pure incense of sweet spices according to the work of the perfumer. So these are the furnishings that are actually inside the tabernacle itself. And, um, and then we see that now as we move into chapter 38, uh, the altar burnt offering and the 
outside in a bronze laver, and then the outer court is described to us. So in verses 1 through 7, the altar burnt offering. He made the altar burnt offering of Achaia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits its width, and it was square, and its height was three cubits. And he made its horns of the four corners. The horns were made of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. Bronze could take the heat. Of course, this is where they would do the sacrifices on this, this altar out there. And when we move into next week, into Leviticus, what we're going to see is the sacrifices that are described to us. And what's wonderful when we go through these sacrifices uh, in Leviticus is it's going to show us how Jesus fulfilled all those sacrifices. He, he came in and it points to him, what he did for us. And so it, all that was done on this altar here that's being spoken of out there in the outer court. In verse 3, he made all the utensils for the altar and the pans, the shovels, the, the basins and the forks and the fire pans, all its utensils were made of bronze. And he made a great bronze network of altar under its rim midway from the bottom. And he cast four rings for the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. And he made the poles of Achaia wood and overlaid them with bronze. And he put the poles into the rings of the sides of the altar in which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. And then the bronze laver, of course, that was standing right before the tabernacle. That's where they would do the washings. The priests would go in and wash. As verse 8, he made the laver of bronze and his base of bronze from the bronze mirrors and serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So the women, they had these, these mirrors. Uh, they were very shiny brass mirrors that they gave in their offering. You recall all the materials that were offered for the making of the tabernacle, and it would be men and women that gave as uh, their hearts were stirred. They had a willing spirit that was uh, desiring to give, and uh, we saw that uh, they would take these mirrors, and so the priests could look and see any dirt that was on them as they went in and washed. And, of course, we talked about before we can go into that place, that in the presence of God, first of all, we have to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't we? We have to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The scripture also talks about in Titus chapter 3 that we've been washed with the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we confess that, Jesus, I have sinned, and you're the Savior of the world. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean by your blood because you shed your blood for me, not only washed by the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sins, but also the Holy Spirit comes into us and makes us a new creature in Christ. And again, you've heard me say this over and over again, but I think it's so important for us to understand this, that as Christians, Jesus is not just added to our old life, that our lives are brand new. The old stuff is dead, and, and it's buried with Christ. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, identifying with him in his death unto baptism. And in other words, as we, in that symbolism of baptism, go under the water, it symbolizes that the old self is dead. All our sins have been buried, and in coming out of the water, rising in that newness of life, uh, how we have that, that resurrected life that is in us, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We're a new creature in Christ, so everything becomes new to us, and that's wonderful news. That's, that's wonderful gospel news that, that when we think about that, being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, being made 
renewed by uh, the Holy Spirit. And then there's the washing of the water of the word, Ephesians chapter 5. And I commend you guys for coming out here on Wednesday nights and going through these chapters here once again because I know that it may not be the most exciting thing for us to do to see this once again. But I think it's important for us to understand these things, be reminded of these simple principles. And, and even as we go through this, and you may be thinking we've read this and we've gone over it and all the details and stuff, you're being washed by the water of the word. Do you know that? And it's beneficial to you just, just as we even go through it and read these things because God's word will not return void. And so the bronze labor, such important lessons here, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, Titus chapter 3, and then also Ephesians 5, as we have been washed by the water of the word and continue here to be washed by the word of God as we pick up verse 9, making up the court of the tabernacle. That's the outer court there where the labor was and the burnt offering altar was. And he made the court on the south side, the hangings of the court, were a fine woven linen, 100 cubits long, and there were 20 pillars for them with 20 bronze sockets, the hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. On the north side of the hangings were 100 cubits long with 20 pillars and their 20 bronze sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. Silver, And in verse 12, on the west side, uh, there were uh, hangings of 50 cubits with 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. For the east side of the hangings were 50 cubits. The hangings of one side on the gate were 15 cubits long and three um, with their three pillars and their three sockets. And on the same, for the other side of the court uh, gate on this side and in that were hangings of 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. And in verse 16, and all the hangings of the court all around were fine woven linen. They were a white color um, woven linen that they would put together. And the sockets for the pillars, verse 17, were bronze. The hooks of pillars and their bands were silver. And the overlay of their capitals was silver. And all the pillars of the court had bands of silver. And the screen of the gate of the court was woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and of fine woven linen, and the length was 20 cubits, and the height along its width was five cubits, corresponding to the hangings of the court. And there were four pillars with their four sockets of bronze. Their hooks were silver, and the overlay of their capitals and their bands was silver. And all the pegs of the tabernacle and of the court all around were bronze. And then as we go through verses 21 through uh, the end of the chapter, what we see here is we see the leaders for the work that are described to us, the inventory given to us of gold, of silver, and of bronze that will be told to us. And this is the inventory of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, which was counted according to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites by the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest, Baziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And with him was Ahoilahab, the son of Ahishamach, the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer, a weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine linen. You know, these guys really had skill and artistic skill and really good with their hands to make these things and then have the pattern and make it according to the pattern that was told to them. All the sockets and the boards and the poles and the rings and the pegs and the curtains and all these things. And they oversaw all this work 
that was being done, and, and they're very gifted. And one of the things I just want to, to relay to you guys, that I know some of you guys are so good with your hands and working with your hands, and, um, and it's a tremendous blessing to the body of Christ. And, and you're able to do things that, you know, if I try to make anything, it's not going to come out really right. Uh, it's just not my gifting. It's just not how the Lord has wired me. I wish I could. I wish I could do things like some of you guys have done. I've seen some of your projects and, and some of the construction projects you've done, and, and it blesses me. And uh, it blesses me as you come in labor, the things you're able to fix and fix cars and some of your mechanics and, and, and um, some of you uh, can do construction and, and some of you can do all kinds of things. And it's a tremendous blessing in the body of Christ. We had a group of guys just come back from the camp on the western slope in Paonia, and, and they, they did a lot of work in a very short time, and that was a tremendous blessing to them out there. And I know you guys are a blessing to me as you come and you, and you do those kinds of things. And so I think it's so neat that the Lord, we've heard these names over and over again because it's important to the Lord that it's recorded in his word that these guys were gifted by him, called by him, anointed by him to do this work to benefit the people of God to meet with him. And the work that you do, any kind of work that is done in a labor of love, as God calls you and gifts you and as he anoints you, is for the benefit of the body of Christ. And that's so very important and so very appreciative. And so here are these guys and, and all the gold that was used, verse 24, in the work of the holy place, that is the gold of the offering, was 29 talents and 730 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. So they're not really sure how much of a talent was. Um, but some suspect that the gold that was used uh, here in the tabernacle was uh, well over 2,000 pounds. Now, some have suggested just, just the gold, the gold lid for the, the, um, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, again, not a huge box, but that, that, that mercy seat was made of pure gold. That some have estimated that it was probably around just 700 pounds itself. So those guys that had to carry the Ark of the Covenant, there's a lot of weight that they were carrying there. And the boards, you know, a board that's 15 foot long, overlaid with gold that made up the sides of the tabernacle, that's very heavy, isn't it? And so there's a lot of gold, um, probably thousands of pounds of gold that are put into the tabernacle itself. Now, if you're wondering, if you haven't been with us in our study of Exodus, where they get all this gold, you recall that when they left, uh, Egypt, that the spoils were taken from Egypt. The Egyptians gave them the gold and the silver and the bronze and spices and all these things and said, leave, please go. It wasn't that the children of Israel raided the Egyptians or stole it from them. The Egyptians gave it to them. It was kind of like back payment for all those years of slavery. So that's where they ended up with all this gold. And so when the offering came, as we saw last week, that the people were given their gold and they would melt it down and then use it for all the, the tabernacle furnishings and the tabernacle itself. And so that's the inventory of the gold. And then verse 25, and the silver from those who were numbered to the congregation was 100 talents and 1,725 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A becca for each man that is half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary for everyone included in the numbering from 20 years old and above for 603,550 men. And from the ta uh, 100 talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil, 100 sockets from the 100 talents, one talent for each sockets. Um, you know, isn't it wonderful all the silver that was in the 
the tabernacle. And of course, silver is the metal of redemption. The boards that made up the sides of the tabernacle all had bases of silver. And we talked about how, how the basis of we coming together is the body of Christ. As we are connected together, we're like living stones brought together. We're like those boards in the tabernacle that are brought together. But all the basis of it is God's wonderful redemption, isn't it? Silver was the basis of, of the tabernacle coming together, those boards, and you and I coming together. We can be here tonight as the body of Christ because of God's wonderful redemption and his wonderful grace in our lives. And so verse 28, and then from 100, 775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, overlaid their capitals, and made bands for them. The offering of bronze was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels, and with it he made the sockets for the door of the tabernacle of the meeting, the bronze altar, the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils for the altar, the sockets for the court all around, the bases for the court gate, and all the pegs for the tabernacle, and all the pegs for the court all around. And now the garments for the priests of the blue, purple, scarlet thread, chapter 39. They made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, and made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verses 2 through 7 speaks of the garment that the high priest would have. He would have an ephod on. And then verses 8 through verse 21 uh, begins to talk about uh, the breastplate uh, of the garment of the high priest so first the ephod he made the ephod of gold verse 2 blue purple and scarlet thread and of fine woven linen and they beat into uh, the gold into thin sheets and cut into two threads to uh, work it with the blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen to artistic designs and they made shoulder straps for it to couple it together it coupled together at its two edges and the intricately woven band of the ephod that was on it was of the same workmanship woven of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and a fine woven linen, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And they set onyx stones enclosed in setting of gold. They were engraved as signets, as engraved, with the names of the sons of Israel. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the ephod, the high priest, was like a vest that he would wear. There was two parts of it. There was the front part and the back part. It was joined together at the shoulders, and there would be stones there on the shoulders that would bear the names of the children of Israel. Six tribes on one shoulder, six tribes on the other shoulder. And as we talked about before, as we went through this, um, that the ephod and then the breastplate in chapter 28 is that the ephod represented that the, the high priest would bear the children of Israel as he went before the Lord to minister. He, he would bear their name. And, and, of course, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, what did he bear on his shoulders? It was a wooden cross, wasn't it? For you and for me. And, and it was our sins upon him on his shoulders that he would bear as he hung on that cross because of his love for you. It wasn't an ephod, it wasn't nice onyx stones, but it was a wooden cross and our sins that he would bear for you and for me because of his love, that ultimate love for you and for me. And so here the high priest symbolizing, uh, bearing the people on his shoulders as he would go in before the Lord and then the breastplate, verse 8, and he made the breastplate artistically woven like the workmanship of the ephod, of gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread and of fine woven linen. And they made the breastplate square by doubling it. A span was its length and a span its width when doubled. And they set in its four rows of stones a row with a sardis, a topaz, 
and an emerald was the first row, and the second a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond, the third a jacinth, and an agate, and an amorist, and in the fourth row a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper, and they were enclosed in a setting of gold in their mountings. And there were twelve stones according to the names of the sons of Israel, according to their names, engraved like a signet, each one with its own name according to the twelve tribes. And they would made chains for the breastplate at the ends, like braided cords of pure gold. And they also made two settings of gold and two gold rings and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the two braided chains of gold and the two rings on the ends of the breastplate. And two ends of the two braided chains they fastened in the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. And they made two rings of gold and put them on the two ends with the breastplate on the edge of it, which was on the inward side of the ephod. They made two other gold rings, verse 20, and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod towards its front and right at the seam above the intricately woven brand of the ephod. And they bound the breastplate by means of its rings and the rings of the ephod with the blue cord so that it would be above the intricately woven band of the ephod and that the breastplate would not come loose from the ephod as the Lord had commanded Moses. Wow. The breastplate, of course, that plate, and you know, all the detail that's given here so it wouldn't separate from the ephod and the chains and the gold and, and, and the braided cords and all of that. But basically it was a square, and it had 12 stones that represented, again, the 12 tribes of Israel. And it represented and symbolized how the high priest, as he ministered before the Lord, he carried the people on his heart. And, of course, you and I, that as we are called a kingdom of priests, according to Revelation chapter 5, Peter in his epistle says we're a royal priesthood. I hope that you and I, that we carry people on our hearts. That we, as we go before the Lord, that we present them before the Lord as we pray for them. That we would pray for uh, our family members. We would pray for our co-workers. We would pray for our neighbors. We would pray for those who are linked to us in our lives. That we would really have a heart for them. And one of the things that I hope that, that we here at Calvary Chapel, that we really have a heart for the lost. There are so many people, they need to hear the love and the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't they? And, and we look around and we see that in their lives that there's, there's turmoil. We see that um, there's discouragement and despair in their lives. There seems to be no hope because they don't have the hope, Jesus Christ, in their lives. So I pray that we would always have a heart for the lost. We would have a heart for people and desire to share um, with them uh, the things of God and the truth of God's word and the gospel that's given to us. In verse 22 through 30, these are the other priestly garments um, that we see here. Um, that are described to us. And he made the robe of the ephod. Actually, this is a robe for the high priest of woven work all of blue. And there was the opening of the middle of the robe like the opening of a coat of mail with a woven binding all around the opening so that it would not tear. And he made on the hem of the robe pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet and a fine woven linen. And they made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate all around the hem of the robe to minister in as the Lord had commanded Moses. So here is that robe that the high priest would wear. And on the hem of that robe um, the, of the high priest, he would have a pomegranate and a bell, pomegranate and a bell. And it symbolized that the high priest was to have fruit in his life and that he was to ring the things of God. And isn't that a wonderful thing for us to remember? I pray for you and for me 
that we would have fruit that is coming from our lives because we are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and that fruit is evident in the things that we say to other people, that we would wring the things of God to other people. And so here it was that robe. And then for all the priests, verse 27, they made tunics artistically woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons, a turban, of, a turban that is of fine linen, exquisite hats of fine linen, short trousers of fine woven linen, and a sash of a fine woven linen, with blue, purple, and scarlet thread made by a weaver as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so they would have the tunics and the turban and the sasses that we talked about, the trousers for the priests, the trousers so none of their, their legs would be seen underneath the, the robes, none of their nakedness, and it was made of linen. We know that they did not make, as Ezekiel would say, don't make any of the clothes out of wool. Make it out of linen because wool would make you sweat. And so when we do ministry, we don't want our nakedness being shown. That is, the flesh being shown. We don't do ministry out of flesh, all right? It's not a sweaty kind of thing. And that's why they made it out of linen, to keep them cool. And they wore the trousers to make sure that their, that their legs weren't seen, the nakedness of their legs. Simply what I'm saying is, as you and I do ministry, you know what? It's not a sweaty kind of thing. It's not a fleshly kind of thing. It's just being led by the Holy Spirit of God, and he's the one that anoints us and uses us, and he's the one that calls us to it. And it's wonderful to, to work in that way. Lord, what would you have me to do? And if you ever do ministry, guys, that where it's just hard and, and you're sweating and striving and, and all of this, then go to the Lord and ask him, am, am I doing this out of the flesh? Am I doing something I'm not supposed to be doing? Because Ministry should be a joy, and it should be, you know, something that you know as you do it that, you know what, Lord, you're just working through me. Ministry can be hard, and ministry is, is a lot of work. But the thing is that you know that, Lord, I'm not doing it out of the flesh. You've called me to do this. You're strengthening me, and you're leading me in doing this. And then they made the plate, verse 30, the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote on its inscription like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And they tied it to a blue cord and fastened it above the turban as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the high priest would wear that turban, that hat, with the gold plate that says holiness unto the Lord. And again, to remind us that as Christians, that we should be ones that we desire holiness we are told in the scriptures that we are to pursue holiness is peter that said you be holy just as he is holy that we are called to 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 holiness not to uncleanness as paul would write to the church at thessalonica so holiness is to be worked out in our lives and then the work is completed verse 32 thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished and the children of israel did according to all that moses had commanded moses so they did and they brought the tabernacle of moses to tent all his furnishings his clasps, his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets. So all those things that we've looked at here, all the things that we talked about is described to us all the way through verse 41. You can go down verse 41. In the garments of the ministry to minister in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and his son's garments to minister as priests, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it. The Lord had commanded just as they had done it, and Moses blessed them. Moses, of course, would be the obvious one that would inspect the work, wouldn't he? Because he was shown the pattern. So he's shown the pattern. He goes through and he says, yep, I've inspected all these things that are listed here that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, 
and, and the work is done. They completed the work. And so the tabernacle in chapter 40 here is put up and arranged. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of meeting, uh, tent of meeting, and you shall put in the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. And you shall bring the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. And you shall also set the altar of the gold for the incense before the ark of testimony and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. And then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And you shall set the labor before the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, hanging up the screen at the court gate. And verse 9, And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it and its utensils, and it shall be holy. And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and its utensils, and to consecrate the altar, the altar shall be most holy. And you shall anoint the laver in its base and consecrate it. Verse 12. Then you shall bring Aaron and the sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. And you shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anoint their father that they may minister to me as priests for their anointing surely shall be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. And so all the things that were erected and then the ranging of the, the furnishings, the priests are set there, um, they're, they're anointed, they're consecrated, so they're ready to go. So verse 16, 17, and it came to pass in the first month of the second year. So this is one year after they've left Egypt. So the first month, you recall, it was the first month that, that they would celebrate Passover, and then they left Egypt. You recall that? So now here it is, one year after they left Egypt, that the tabernacle is done, everything's ready to go. And so in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set its boards, put in its bars, raised up its pillars. He spread out the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering of the tent on top of it, and the Lord had commanded Moses. And he took the testimony and put it into the ark, inserted the poles through the rings of the ark, put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil, the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put the table of the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord. The Lord had commanded Moses. And he put the lampstand of the tabernacle of meeting across the table, the south side of the tabernacle. And he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And he put the gold altar at the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil. And he burned sweet incense as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle. And he put the altar of burnt offerings before the door of the tabernacle, tent meeting, and offered it upon the burnt offering of the grain offering as the Lord commanded Moses. And he set the laver between the tabernacle meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with the water from it. In verse 32, wherever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the cord all around the tabernacle of the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. I have that underlined. We went all through this, and Moses finished the work. All the details and going through it and all the 
specifics that we just read. And you might be thinking, why is it there? I'll tell you why it's there. Because the Lord knows the details of your life. And as you go through this, you might be thinking, does this really matter? Does, does this really make a difference? I want you to know something. It made a difference to the Lord enough to where he put it in his word, didn't he? And I want you to understand something. That he knows all the details of your life. And you may be thinking nobody's interested in my life and the details of my life. Or, you know, it's like I don't want to hear the details of your life. But the Lord knows it. And he has a work for you. And all through this we've seen that as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Moses did. And my prayer for all of us here tonight, if there's anything that we get out of reading all of this, is that the Lord sees every detail of your lives. And the Lord has a plan and he has a pattern for you to live. And I pray that, that the same thing would be said to us, that we are doing what the Lord has commanded us to do, what the Lord desires for us to do, after the pattern, after his will, after his desire for you and for me. And that we, when we come to the end of our days, whenever that might be, that we can say that we finished the work. I'm glad Moses finished the work. The work that he did was real important because this would set the worship and, and service to the Lord for generations to come, right? For the children of Israel. And it would point to the fact until 1,500 years later that Jesus Christ would come to be the ultimate sacrifice for them. But I want you to understand something, folks, that it may not be interesting to others, but the work that you do, whatever that might be, God is interested in the details and he desires for you to finish it. It's an important work. It really is. And however God has gifted you and wherever he's placed you, whatever he's called you to do, it's just as important as, as what Moses did. And Moses finished the work. I'm so glad he finished the work. I'm glad that others in the scriptures finished the work. I'm glad Noah finished the work. Aren't you? Otherwise we wouldn't be here. If Noah would have said, build a you know, an ark? What do you mean? I mean, that was a huge ark he built. One of the VBSs that we did out here is we took balloons, some of you remember, and uh, we took the dimensions, again, a cubit being 18 inches, read the dimensions of the ark, put up the balloons, and it went from this first street light, you know, parking lot light that you have right out here as you come out the door, all the way to the end of the field, 40 feet high, huge. And I remember those balloons up there, those helium balloons on a string, to show the kids how big the ark was. It was huge. And wow, and that was, again, before any power tools or lumber yards or anything like that. But I'm glad that Noah finished the work as hard as it was. And as hard as it was for Moses here to do all this stuff and all the details that were there that he paid attention to. And as we journey through life and as we serve the Lord, it's not always easy in the details. But the thing is, here's the good news that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. So what's the key for you and for me? You just let the Lord do the work through you. And you just yield to him and allow him to do that work and he'll finish the work. And that brings me such great peace. Again, I don't have to strive and strain and all of this, but Lord, just help me to learn of you, to know your ways, to stay close to you, and I know that you'll finish that work. But please understand, every single one of you, where God has you and has he gifted you, and you being a part of the body of Christ, that work is so important, what you do and how you minister and how you talk to people, just as it was with Moses. And then quickly as we finish, 
Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go on onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Lord, when you tell me to move, I'm going to move. When you tell me to stay put, I'm going to stay put. But Lord, wherever you want me, that's where I'm going to be. Doing your work, learning your ways, just loving you and enjoying you, and, and allowing you to do. And Lord, all the days of my life, that I want to come to the end to finish the work. As we come to the communion table, what are we remembering? That Jesus finished the work, didn't he? He would cry out, it is finished. And I've done the work for you. And that's what's so wonderful about being a Christian. It's not what we do, it's what he did. He finished the work. He died for you and for me. And we come in faith and we believe in him, and we receive his wonderful love and grace and forgiveness, and we come to the communion table right now because we come in remembrance of him and what he did for us as he finished the work on Calvary's cross for you and for me. That's the book of Exodus. Next week, we'll go into Leviticus. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. And, Lord, four chapters we went over very quickly. And, but, Lord, there are so many wonderful lessons that, that we've learned going through these, this wonderful book, the book of Exodus. And that is, Lord, that you desire us to live after the pattern that you have for us, that we know that Jesus Christ, all these things spoke of him and pointed to him. And we'll continue to see that even as we go into Leviticus, the sacrifices, that he was sacrificed for us. And so, Father, I pray that tonight, that, that as we just spend some time just worshiping you right now, that, Lord, that we would just have hearts of, of, of gratitude and thanksgiving.